Well, throughout Peter, there is this huge theme of, of, of suffering, um, but also hope uh, that is, is paired together with that in the midst. And I was thinking of how there are all sorts of different ways that do cause suffering in our life. And sometimes there, that suffering comes at our own hand um, just from things that we do that aren't wise. Um, for just an example, I, I run into those often, but um, last week, I think it was Friday, I was changing these lights out, putting some more of the, uh, instead of the, right, the really bright white ones, just putting these, these other ones in, and, and I took shortcuts, so sometimes we all would rather take shortcuts than to do things the right way, um, and I didn't really want to get a ladder, so I had the, the cajon, and uh, there's a, a stool over here, so I thought, yeah, a stool, a stool and a cajon, this is probably good enough, right? Um, so I got up. And the, I was there, it, was, it was okay for a moment, but then the stool went this way, and I went that way onto the cajon, and um, I have an imprint of the cajon on my bottom. I, will, I won't show it with you, but share that with you. But, um, so I've been suffering a little bit, but I don't think that's what Peter's talking about. He's not talking about the suffering that we bring upon ourselves um, because of our own decisions. But, uh, he's speaking about, as we've walked through this, suffering that comes upon us. Uh, just from doing good and for following Christ. And as he writes to a church where um, it was in a, an, a, a Gentile area, and there's those who have been far from God, and, and they have embraced Jesus Christ and found new hope in him. But through that, there's suffering. He's, he's addressed different groups that are wrestling through that. Um, those servants with masters, and then even a relationship of an unbelieving husband and a wife, and he wrestles through these things. And gives encouragement, and then we come to this place, and he continues, even maybe in your Bible, what it's titled, Suffering for Righteousness' Sake, Suffering for, for Doing What is Right, and that does happen as we follow Christ. And, and here, Peter writes to hope, to bring help, and just say, how do we live uh, this life in light of eternity? And in it, I believe there is both, um, as our title says, for this study in First Peter, there is joyful, eternal, just Christ-focused hope that we find here in this book, and, and also, hopefully, deep joy that goes beyond our circumstance and our, our maybe momentary suffering that we have. So he writes and begins in verse 8, and we see that there is hope in suffering, even as we, we love, as we love one another. He writes to a, a church of people, and calls them to love, even in light of the suffering that they receive, and to respond well. So verse 8 in First Peter chapter 3 says this, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. So he just begins with this and calls them to this attitude of love that would enable them together to respond well in love. And he writes, and he says, all of you. So he, he talks to the whole church. He talked to some different groups within the church um, and gave an instruction. With, that has application for all of us, but he just makes clear, all of you now um, have these things amongst yourselves. Have these things. And he says, Un- first, unity of mind. Or maybe your translation says, be like-minded or harmonious. Having that, that same mindset. This is same word when we studied in Philippians, um, same root word of uh, that Paul says in Philippians 2, 2, 
it calls them to, to be of the same mind, to have the same love, to be a full accord and of one mind. So this call of unity. And in this, uh, as we learned before, this mindset of unity, it doesn't we agree on everything. Because um, clearly we, we don't agree on, on everything. But we're united on the strong, solid truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and these primary things within his word of truth that we see that is very clear in his word. And we stand on those things together. And, and we live really in a, a challenge year um, where I believe the enemy's really used even just so many different things to divide the church from from things from how to respond with mass to to even issues of social justice how to respond in that and and issues of even now vaccines and and churches have been pulled and, and stretched and during this time but I think we need to love be those who love our enemies time to love and to come together on the strong truths of the good news of Jesus Christ, of the gospel, and the goodness of his word. So we're supposed to be united in mind. And then sympathy, or compassion, maybe it's translated, sympathy, compassion for one another. We need to seek to really be and step into the shoes of one another and fill with one another in our pains and our joys. But to do that too, we need to know one another. And I, I think as a whole, we Calvary Derby Hill, we've done that well, but we also need to be those who um, open up our lives so that we, others know what's going on so that we can love one another better. So sympathy, compassion, then brotherly love, a deep brotherly familial affection and love. In 1 Peter, he says that we are born again to a living hope. In Christ, we, we're, we're a family together. Last week or two weeks ago, we saw that we the husband and wife, they're, they're co-heirs of the grace of life. They're, we're co-heirs together. We should love one another. And then tender-hearted, passionate, again, this deep care for one another, going toward one another in our hurts and our trials and our difficulties. We, we feel for one another in our sorrows. Again, I see that happen often. In a humble mind, for any of these to happen, there has to be a humility of heart. Really taking on that attitude of Christ. What did Christ do? We saw that again in Philippians 2, that he became a servant. by, by an empty, He emptied himself by becoming a servant, um, obedient, even death to the cross, on the cross for us. We see this humility of mind. Uh, we're called to love. We're called to love our enemies. As Christians, that should mark us. People say these are people who love. Not a, not a people who hate, but a people who love. And love one another. And even love their enemies. I remember, it was a while back. I was going to look and see what book it was. But I was reading it. I think it was called Sons of Hamas. And um, just a guy who grew, grew up um, in, in part of Hamas and his family. And the thing that really gripped him was when he read that Christ said, love your enemy. And he goes, who speaks like that? Love your enemy. And it gripped his heart. And we should be those people that are marked that way. And all of these come together um, and unite us as a people together on that, taking on the attitude of Christ. This attitude of heart really are those as we enter into the lives of one another and people around us that we might be able to love in such a way that we can respond to even those who revile us with by blessing them. And in this, 
think there's great hope and great help and even great joy that can be found as we love one another well. And then verse 9, it says, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for, or reviling, for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this we were called, that you may obtain a blessing. So the attitude of our heart as we love one another flows out to loving even those who are enemies, those who are bringing difficulty or persecution or suffering upon us. So we need to be those who who are those who respond as Christ responds in this. So do not repay evil for evil or revile when reviled. If you remember, Peter... He's spoken about this, something really similar to this. Almost the the same words in chapter 2, verse 20. If you remember, we can flip back if you're in your Bible or in one of our notebook things that we have. Verse 24. What credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing. In the sight of God. For to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you an example. So that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled. He did not revile in return. When he suffered. He did not threaten. But continued entrusting himself. To him who judges justly. So we have this attitude of Christ. When he was insulted. He didn't. He didn't give it back when he was threatened. He didn't threaten in return. He didn't seek to overthrow those Roman guards around him. But what did he do? He was one that stood, one who could have stood up and been fully righteous to stand up against the injustice. But what does he do? We were reminded before he prayed and he forgave. We're supposed to bless when reviled. Or as Paul said in Romans 12, 14, he says, bless those who persecute you. We're to be those who, who respond in love and go toward our enemies in love, that we might be able to, to share the gospel and share the life, light and love that we have. And it even says, to this you've been called. And I believe this is looking back to, you've been called to be those who act in this way. We're called to love. We're called to follow that example of Jesus Christ and love those and be a shining light. And when we love our enemy and love those who who revile us and respond in love, we demonstrate the gospel. I, I think of this often when I think of the persecuted church, and I know I talk about that a lot, but I, I live in overseas a bunch of years and things. We just think about people in other countries and the challenges that are there. And this, maybe it was this week or last week, the Voice of the Martyrs, they have their regular magazine that they put out and this one was from North Korea and there's a story of one man who who escaped North Korea and went to China and he wasn't a believer but when he when he Christians there who who loved him and cared for him and shared the gospel and he he followed after Christ and then he began to help North Koreans to come from North Korea and, and to to escape into China uh, he and his wife then helped together and did that. And at one point, he was arrested. He, both he and his wife were arrested. And his wife was taken to one place, and he was taken to another. And at that point, he never saw his wife again. 
And he was let out about three months later, and then he continued to go and be one who helped these North Koreans come across and then share the good news with them and love them and care for them. But then again, he was arrested again, and he was put into, into jail for 10 years, it said. Let me find it here. For 10 years, and he was then placed in a prison in China that had 2,000 people in that in a small prison where he would be packed into one prison cell with as many as 40 people at one time. And during that time, there was one occasion where he was asked to stand against a wall um, from 3 a.m. to 9 a.m., and then if he moved, they would, they would either kick him or slam his head against the wall. And he said through that that his only hope was just to cling to Jesus. And this is what the man said. He said, after, invest, after they investigated investigated me in this way, one police officer told me that I had not sinned. This officer came to realize that I did a righteous thing and should be recognized, and it should be recorded in history because I'd suffered for my people. And that officer said later that if he was promoted, he would help this man escape. Um, and through God's providence and kind of a, an unusual way, that is what, what happened. Uh, the Lord used this, this one guard. He saw this man suffer uh, but not revile and return. And in this time, though, um, he also talks about that they, he felt, felt a lot of depression to point of despair and even suicide. But then uh, the Lord gave him hope, and he realized that the Lord probably had a purpose for him in that prison. And he began to be able to build relationships and, and share of the hope of Jesus Christ. Uh, but he says at that time, it, it wasn't easy. And he says, in the beginning, I was not able to understand why God had put me there. Because doing Christian work, I was doing Christian work to save my people. And it was not my own will, but God who gave me the heart for it. So he's like, why am I doing Why? So in the beginning, I hated against and lots of, had lots of struggles with God. One day in prison, I was even considering suicide. But now I can say that it was God who held my hand. And the Lord enabled him to, to be released and, and escape back into China and then go to Laos. And do All these different things where he was able to be a light of the gospel uh, and love people well, those who were far from Christ, and love them. But he was one who, who suffered, and, and suffered unjustly for doing good, but didn't revile in return, but had opportunity to be a light of the gospel. So we see this, and the only hope we have in the midst of that is to rest in Christ, to abide in Christ, look at the attitude of Christ, and go again and again to the gospel, that Christ is one who died for us. And we have a Christ, who, a Lord, who says, abide in me, as we studied a few weeks back, abide in me. So we are called to abide in Christ as he abides in us, and to abide in the love of Jesus as it abides in us. And it says that we may obtain, obtain a blessing. And this blessing, it might be in light, maybe we don't see it all right now, but in light of eternity, we can rest and know that when we are obedient, we love our enemy for the sake of the gospel, that there will be blessing. Even this man in prison was like, why? And he didn't even see the light at some point of how the Lord would use this. But now, 
as he looks back, he sees the, all the different ways that the Lord has used his testimony, his life for the gospel and to, to rescue lives even, both physically and spiritually. And then I think of 1 Timothy 2.12 that says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So some of that blessing that comes is when we see someone come to know Christ and find the hope that we have. This should be a great motivator and great hope in the midst of difficulty. And then verse 10 through 12. We see that we find hope in suffering when we trust in the character and the blessings of the Lord. We just see the character of our God and the blessings of our Lord. Verses 10 through 12. And here, Peter, to just anchor this truth of the the blessing during difficulty um, as we follow and do what God has called us to. He, he looks to Psalm 34. And Psalm, these verses that he's quoting from the Old Testament, it's from a psalm. We've studied it before, right? It's this psalm where David, uh, he's writing this psalm where he was on the run from, from Saul. And King Saul was the first king that God appointed um, to be the king of Israel, but he, depart, he rebelled from God and then David was later anointed to be the next king. But Saul didn't know about it, but God's favor was on David, and he continued to increase in popularity and success. And, and Saul was very jealous of David, and he got crazy over his jealousy and was just kind of lost his mind in a lot of ways. And King Saul tries to kill David, and David flees. And David flees to the land of the Philistines, and it was even to the hometown of Goliath. And um, at that point, he even had the sword of Goliath with him. And as you can imagine, going into to an area where he had slayed their warrior, he wasn't well liked. <laughs> so they put him in prison pretty quick. Um, and David in prison, he pretends to be crazy and just be out of his mind. The king and the, the ruler in that area He's like, man, I have enough crazy men. Let's send this guy out and let's get him out of here. And David flees and he then escapes to a cave and he writes this psalm of, of praise to God, of God's deliverance. And you think even here, David, he's on the run um, from Saul. And there's a couple times where David has opportunity to kill Saul, um, but he doesn't. And he um, doesn't. And he knows that Saul is, is the anointed of God at the time, and he, he waits. Um, so David suffers for doing good. So this is a good psalm to look at. You see, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So there's a call of... Uh, of obedience to God and that there might be through that an avenue even of God's blessing and his goodness upon us. If we desire to love life or enjoy life and seek good days, we're called um, to be those who keep our words um, from evil and turn from evil and said do good and pursue peace, pursue and seek after peace. Be those who love as Christ loves. Speak as Christ speaks. Following the example of Christ and there. In turn, uh, God's favor is upon us. And it's, this is a, a quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon. He said this of, this of this verse. He said, Men cannot spit forth poison without filling some of the venom burning on flesh. 
clean and honest conversation by keeping the conscience at ease promotes happiness. But lying and wicked talk stuffs our pillows with thorns and makes life a constant whirl of fear and shame. Just the, the reality of, of these truths of following after the way of God. But also we see that for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So it says that the Lord, Lord God, he, he sees all things and his eyes are upon the righteous. But who are the righteous? Um, because we all are those who have sinned and have rebelled against God. Well, P- Peter tells us in chapter 2 of Peter, just a few, few pages back. Verse 24, 20, as he himself, that's Christ, he bore our sins on his body on the tree on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we are healed for you were strained like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. So we're reminded who are the righteous, those who are rest. None of us comes to Jesus with, with righteous hands. We come as sinners, and we know that Christ, he died in our place, and he, he's one who goes even after as the shepherd, the one who goes after the, the one lost sheep to draw him in, and we are only righteous and made right through, through Christ Jesus. We all are called to abide in Christ and turn to him. But here's a warning too. The face is against those who do evil. As we continue to rebel against the Lord, we know that his, his face, his hand is against those who do evil. And then, as we keep going, verse, four, or verse 13, we see, we find hope and suffering and need, we find hope and suffering and need not fear because Jesus is Lord. We see that Jesus is Lord and one that we can rest on. We don't need to fear in the face of difficulty, in the face of suffering, even for doing good. We do not need to fear, it says. In verse 13, Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. So just saying here, that ultimately, in light of eternity, it doesn't mean we won't experience difficulty and hardship. We see our brothers uh, in, in Christ and sisters in Christ in North Korea. And if I were to be able to see all the different stories in that little magazine, you'd see that there were tribal trials and difficulty and suffering. But in light of all eternity, there's great blessing and hope that goes beyond their momentary suffering that they incurred. And that cannot be taken from us. The blessings that we have in Christ, the, the rescue and salvation that we have in him can't be undone. It can't be stolen from us. And he also says to them, then he says to them, have no fear. Have no fear. In light of all of this be coming or is coming, he says, have no fear. And fear is one of those amazing um, motivators and is abused all the time to motivate um, us. And we see it even on both sides of the aisle politically, fear is just this great motivator. And, and fear can come in and be driven. That we, we need to be fearful, be fearful, be fearful. But it says, no, in light of even possible persecution that might be coming our way, or loss of rights that might or might not be coming our way, it says, do not fear. 
Do not fear. Do not be troubled. We can rest in the promises of God. We can rest in all of these truths in 1 Peter. It talks about our, our salvation that's set and secure in Christ. Uh, that our hope is, is such and our salvation and our inheritance is such that it, it will never fade away. It's set and it's secure in Christ. And we have a Savior who is Lord. He is Christ the Lord. So we can rest even in light of difficulties that indeed will come our way. And he says, but in your heart, honor Christ as Lord. Honor Christ the Lord as holy. Honor Christ the Lord as holy. And maybe in your translation, it's translated revere. Christ as Lord. Set Christ apart as Lord in your heart. Honor Christ the Lord as holy. He's set apart as Lord. We're to be reminded that He is King and He is on His throne. And so we don't have to be troubled and worry. We can rest in Him. And I think this is a good word for this day and this time that we can rest. We don't have to be those people marked by fear and worry, but that we rest in our Lord Jesus Christ who reigns. We should be a people marked by hope and then able to freely love our enemies because we are not, we're not in fear of them. Think of the words of Jesus in John 14, 1. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, speaking to his disciples. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then as we studied in John 15, 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy might be in you, and that my joy might be full. May we rest in our Lord and set him apart as Lord and as holy. There's great hope in that. And then verse 15, the second part, it says, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So we do find hope too in the fact that that we are given opportunities, even in our difficulties, to, to point people to Jesus, to share of the hope that we have in us. And we are to those who are able to share of that hope when people ask. And you think of, I think of that North Korean man in prison. Uh, if he'd been asked, why do you have hope? And he could point um, to the hope that he has in Christ. And the same for us. That we, in the midst of suffering, can point to the hope of Jesus. And often when I, I read these stories and, and think of, brothers and sisters in Christ that face so much more difficult things than I do. And I think, would I be able to stand? Would I be able to walk through that? Would I be able to, to point clearly to the hope that I have in Christ? And, and if I think about it now, I'd be like, no way, I don't think I could do it. But the Lord works in such a way that he gives us strength and grace in that moment too, as they come. We don't have to, to muster up the grace that we need in that moment because we know that the Lord would give it to us in that moment that we might be able to. And may we be a people that stand on hope and love our enemies. Love those who persecute us and revile us. That we might point them to Jesus as, as Peter goes on to, to describe. 
And we do see that we, we can find hope in suffering, knowing that God will use our suffering to point, point to Jesus. Um, the hope, really, that we have in Jesus, really, point five and six are the same. I just decided to break them up. I don't know. No, but it's the same idea. Verse 16, have a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good if, they, if that should be God's will than for doing evil. So here, let me read, I'm going to read a couple paraphrased um, translations of verse 16 to you. The first one's from the New Living. It says, keep your conscience clear that if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Jesus. That's how it should be, that people live their life and they see it and then say, man, that reflects Jesus. And I don't know that that always happens um, and has always happened. Has that been the witness of the church? And then um, this is another paraphrase from the message from Eugene Peterson. He says this, keep a clear conscience before God so that when people throw mud at you, None of it will stick. <laughs> They'll end up realizing that they're the ones who need a bath. Um, I, I don't know uh, that the church has always given and, and demonstrated that to the world as of late. Um, even for some, I've read different accounts of some of different um, bloggers and different things I've listened to, uh, I've read and listened to, and how for some people the last few years have been for them a coffin in the nail of their exploration of Christ as they've looked at the church. May we be a people that instead are those who do not revile, but those who love and point people to Jesus who died um, in our place. The one who washed the feet of the disciples. Then verse 18, this is really part of next week's chapter, but I feel like it, or next week's passage, but it's kind of a hinge point um, between what we're studying. We see really great, the greatest hope we can find in suffering is look to Jesus. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And this is our hope, is that first Hope of the righteous one who died for us and righteous, that he might bring us to God, that we might be forgiven, made righteous, the good shepherd, the overshadow of our soul, that we've all wandered away and he comes and he rescues us and gives us life, that we can be those who love and those who point people to Jesus and those who do not fear and are not troubled. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ, that we don't have to be a people marked by fear and anger, but a people that are marked by hope and by love, who bless those who revile us and stand in hope, pointing people to Jesus and giving the reason for the hope that we have, um, not in a condescending or harsh way, but in gentleness and love with a good conscience. Lord, help us to be a people that demonstrate the the light of the gospel. We, we are those who boldly speak truth, and, but boldly do it in love and gentleness. Lord, help us to be those who continue to stand on truth and, and stand on the truth of your word and do so in a way that, again, reflects Christ again and again. Lord, I, I pray even this morning, uh, if there are those who are just troubled and fearful, help, 
them to, to rest and be reminded that you are Lord and that you sit on your throne. And if there are any that have yet to trust in you, that they would, they would turn and trust in you and find life and hope and peace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we we respond.